Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, everyone. On today's episode, we hear from first-time mother, Neva. Originating from Switzerland, where birth centers are commonly used, Neva was disappointed when she couldn't find one in her local area. This led her to seek out advice and guidance from a friend about home birthing, which was the path she ultimately chose to bring her baby Earthside. When she felt the niggle of surges slowly building at 38 weeks gestation, she dismissed them as early labor signs. Riding through those waves, she hastily called on her partner to check her, discovering it was time to call the midwife. Knowing she wouldn't make it in time, her midwife supported them over the phone as she roared her son Earthside on their bathroom floor, just the three of them. Enjoy the show. Neva, welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you so much for being here today. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. Could you just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? So, um, there's my partner, Sione, um, our little one, which is just a bit over 11 weeks. His name is Monoa. What a beautiful name. Where does that originate from? Um, so, my partner is half Aboriginal and half Tongan. So, it's just from his Tongan background. Okay. Um, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It was very important to him. So, yeah. Yeah. And was he a planned conception? Yes, definitely. Was there anything you did in the lead up to that conception to sort of get your body prepared for pregnancy? Um, I obviously got off the pill, I think about nine months before we got pregnant or we started trying or eight months. And then um, I started taking some prenatals before as well and just try to look into the nutrition. Like, um, yeah. Nice. And what was your perception on birth when you first fell pregnant? Like, were you fearful of it or you were excited? I don't think I've ever, I was ever scared. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, nah, I don't think so. I, um, I mean, in my family, there were a bit of, like, um, C-sections and stuff going on. But I never, no, I was never scared. I think I was actually really excited throughout the whole pregnancy. I always told my midwives, I'm really excited for birth. I'm not scared. Yeah. Was there anyone in your circle that had experienced a positive birth that you were kind of drawing inspiration from or? 
Um, I do think I had a couple of people early on that I tried to connect with. Like I caught up with a friend of a friend that had a um, home birth for the second one and um, just tried to connect with her, she tell, or her telling me how she went on about it and how it was. And I think it just, yeah, made me even stronger in my decision. Yeah. What model of care did you end up choosing for your birth? So I think at the beginning, because I'm from Switzerland, so in Switzerland it's very common to go to a birth center. So I think I started looking into that, um, and I quickly found out that there is none here in Victoria. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It was it was actually really sad because I think that would have been. It sounds really weird, but at the beginning that would have been a good compromise, yeah. um, because my partner wasn't at the beginning completely on board. Oh, not completely not on board, but like he was a bit questioning things Mm -hmm. so I think the birth center would have just been a good compromise in terms of yeah not hospital but not at home Um, I did end up deciding obviously to be at home because there is no birth centers I definitely felt more called to be at home simply because I'm not someone like I didn't grow up in like in a lot of I my family has used a lot of um, alternative medicine, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I kind of grew up in that care. And I, yeah, I kind of listened to my body as well, actually, during the first weeks of pregnancy as well. Yeah. How was your pregnancy? Good. Yeah. I honestly, I think, obviously, like probably everyone at some point, I had a bit of back ache, um, back ache. And I went to see a Cairo um, every week at the end, actually, from like 30 weeks onwards. And that helped. No, other than that, I had a beautiful pregnancy. Yeah. So um, I did have, I think it was around five-week mark. We obviously haven't told anyone, but I started a bit of spotting, which I think now I know it's kind of normal. But back then, I didn't know. So I didn't know any better. So I went to my GP and she said to get an early um, scan. Um, I did get that done and everything was fine. Um but then I haven't chosen a midwife yet, so it was kind of like, I think even by the 12-week mark, I still didn't have a midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, I started looking, and then we went away for a holiday, and then I got back, and I think I was already 16 weeks or so. So I kind of freaked out and was like, oh, my God, I need to find someone because, yeah, home birth midwives are always, um, often booked out very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it was around 18, 20 week mark or so, like I started looking more intensely and everyone was booked out and referring me to someone else and I eventually that led me to my beautiful midwives. Um, And then I think from then on it was more or less like every, was it every two or every four weeks at the beginning and then it kind of like just got shorter the, uh, the times in between I saw them, so like two weeks and then every week obviously at the end any resources that you found super helpful in the lead up to your birth to get you educated so I also had a doula which was really helpful for me guiding me and keeping me calm every time I saw her like she was amazing um I we my partner and I we did um do a um like an education class, and one of those classes was with Rhea Dempsey. I think that was our oh, first one. Rhea, oh my god, her. that was something else. And <laughs> even my partner literally came out of that class, and he was like, 
Wow. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Did she actually host the class or? No, so it was Thai Diddle hosting them. Okay. It was like a block of four. And then one of those classes was host uh, or was done by Ria. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so we did that. I listened to a lot of your podcasts. Um, oh, awesome. I, um, what else did I do? I did buy Ria's books while I was there, but I was, <laughs> we um, waited a bit too long for our education classes. So I think I was around 36 weeks. I bought her two books, but I ha- actually couldn't end up reading them yeah. and then I did um hypnobirthing but yeah I think that was helpful but I think most I took out of that was the breathing techniques mm-hmm. yeah yeah cool so let's jump to the end of your pregnancy then that last few weeks how were you feeling in the lead up to birth oh uh, I was actually I think I was just 37 weeks in like a day or so where I was still working, obviously working like a couple of hours, but just for me to get out. Um, I mean, I got big, I got a bit uncomfortable, but, and I got really excited, but then I was also like, oh, this could go on for another, what, five weeks or so. So I wasn't like, yeah, I didn't get too excited, but yeah, you, I could feel that it was getting close. Um, but yeah, I think. He was, yeah, he was born at 38 weeks. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's like every first time mum's dream. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, was oh, I can't say I wasn't ready, but, you know, like I had a box of the stuff for the home birth and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, that wasn't with everything that was on the list from the midwives. Like it wasn't full. It wasn't ready. If you Yeah. <laughs> so had you mentally told yourself 42 weeks I guess so yeah. I guess so yeah yeah that's awesome helps your mental game yeah totally I got um a couple of resources sent um from my midwife and like one of them was things like yeah most first-time moms go overdue and you know they labor for two to three days and yeah so I kind of prepared myself I guess not the worst but like the the long yeah goal. yeah that's yeah. right yeah so should we jump now to the beginning of your labor? What were some of the signs that it was starting? So again, because I got that article, I kind of didn't, I think I didn't take anything serious for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have some cramping every night for about four nights, four or five nights before actually going into labor, but just like, you know, some period cramps. And so that day it was, I was 37 weeks and six days, um, it was Wednesday afternoon. I was oh, I was going to Chetston Shopping Centre to get some more stuff for the birth kit. And um, oh, I went to the bathroom and I had some brown spotting and I was kind of feeling a bit crampy, but it was nothing. And again, like I kind of just ignored it because I was like, oh, this could go on for another four weeks. So um, I got home and... Oh, I had to run some more errands, so I went out. And then by around 6 o'clock, my partner made us dinner. And I started realizing that I couldn't sit down anymore. Okay. Yeah, so I couldn't sit down through the waves anymore. So I had to walk around. We went to bed, I think around 8 or 9 o'clock. Um, he obviously fell asleep straight away because he had to get up for work. So he was just really tired. And I um, tried to sleep. I actually tried to lay down, but I couldn't anymore, which should have been a sign back then. But, I, again, I kind of just ignored it, I guess. Um, I started just walking around. Um, 
in the bedroom. And I had the tense machine on actually at that point. Um, yeah, so, and I think from then on, I just went into the shower, in and out of the shower. Mm-hmm. How was your experience with the shower? Because I remember with my contractions, once I stood in the shower, they kind of dimmed down a little bit. Did you have anything like that? Mm. Actually, that's what my midwife said. If you go into the shower and that happens, it's not serious kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went into the shower and no, they kept go- going like normally. Um, but that was what, at like eight or nine o'clock. And I, again, like I, I didn't think it was anything serious. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that was kind of my thought process of, no, no, this is not happening just yet. It's too early. Mm-hmm. And I think... I started, we had the birth meeting at 36 weeks and I kind of like was, oh, do I keep you guys updated on what's happening? And, you know, like, um, and my, yeah, my doula was kind of like, you will know. (laughs) And so when I came in and out of the shower, I eventually started sitting down on the toilet. That was the most comfortable for me. Mm -hmm. Were they super intense at this point? No, I think... Because of that breathing technique, honestly, that helped a lot. Yeah, like yeah. I just kept concentrating on that, so I kind of couldn't focus on anything else. Yeah. So no, they were yes, they were intense, but not like I think for me they ramped up by like around eleven thirty. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they yes, they were intense, but they weren't overtaking you as bad. I guess. No, no, not at all. And I could still talk as well. Even though he wasn't there, but I knew I could have talked. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, my partner was – I was in the ensuite bathroom and my partner was sleeping. So you were obviously pretty quiet then, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So I think by around 12.30, I yelled for him and he got up and I was like, oh, can you get me some water and some snacks? Because my midwife told me just to keep eating. So I was like, oh, can you get me some water and snacks? So he came downstairs, got me some water and snacks, came back upstairs, and he's like, oh, should I, um, like, message work or, you know? And I was like, yeah, I think this is getting more serious now. And that was 12.30. Um, so he went downstairs and started setting up the birth pool and, you know, getting the box ready. And um, and, <laughs> and then I think an hour later, around 1.30, I yelled for him again from upstairs, and I was like, babe, come up so he came up and I was like he's coming <gasps> yeah Wow. <laughs> so I was like he's coming look you have to look you need to tell me I guess by the end when I was sitting on the toilet I could feel it mm-hmm. like I could feel him coming down and I could feel the pressure you know that like during those contractions I could start feeling that I needed to push mm. I think I just kept focusing on that breathing, but once it got that hard, I kind of just moaned really like in a low tone and just kept going. And I was like, I was trying to yell for him, but then I was also like, if this keeps going for another, I don't know how many hours. That sounds like transition. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that was, yeah. Yeah, so he came up and I just told him that he's coming. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know. Like I felt down um, before he came up and I was still kind of like in denial because I could obviously not see anything. So I was just trying to feel 
I guess I was trying to feel for him, but I couldn't feel anything. So I was kind of like, oh, that can't be it. So maybe that's also why I kept ignoring it for even longer. So when he came up, I was like, you need to see, you need to look, you need to tell me. And he's like, yup. <laughs> so I was like, well, um, what do we do now? I guess we call the midwife. Um, because I had obviously a doula as well, but I was like, oh, there's no point. Like she, I don't know how far away. And so, yeah, he called um, the midwife and my midwife Mel was on the phone and she was like, oh, kind of the first thing she said, look, guys, um, after she only told, my partner told her how many fingers or whatever, I don't actually remember that part, um, how many fingers that was. Um, she said, look, guys, you know I'm not going to make it. And I was kind of like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so um, she only put um, – her on speakerphone and she kind of just guided me. She was like, get off the toilet. Okay. Because for some reason that was just the most comfortable for me. Yeah, a lot of women find the toilet quite comfortable. Yeah. I think it's, I guess it's just the gravity. I don't know. Yeah. And yeah, really comfortable. But I think she was maybe a bit scared at that point that he would come and just be. In the toilet. Yeah, so um, she asked me to get off the toilet. She only had to get some towels and lay that down in the ensuite. So I just got all on all fours. And then I think, yeah, that was around 1.30, 1.40. And then um, I obviously just, at that point, I think I was yelling. Like I was, yeah, that was intense. And I think, yeah, Sioni was behind me and just waiting to catch him, I guess. Um he was born at 2.24, so that was 40 minutes later. Was he going in and out at this stage? Oh, yes. It was honestly, I think that was the hardest part, knowing that he's right there, but coming in and out. Yeah, that was really hard, actually. Yeah. Were you receiving guidance from your midwife over the phone at this point? No, she, she didn't guide me as in, like, breathing or yeah, okay. slow. No, not at all. She was just... Um, she was just there, really, and I think that was really reassuring as well, Yeah. especially for my partner because he said once the head came out, there was quite a bit of blood, which he obviously has never seen, so he didn't know what's normal and what's not. And him being by himself, um, so I think, yeah, that was a bit – but she was like, no, no, that's normal. There will be blood. Um, yeah. And how were you feeling once his head was born? Oh, that was like such a relief. And after it was kind of, you know, it's so quick afterwards. So, yeah, once his head was out, it was such a relief because it felt like it was just coming in and out for so long. Yeah. And I almost feel like at the end I just pushed okay. just to get him out, if that makes sense, like just to get his head out because I was – Maybe in my head I was so frustrated at that point. I was like, oh, my God, I've been pushing probably not even that long. But, like, it felt so frustrating that it, his head came in and out. So I think I was just so relieved once his head was out. And then the mid was, midwife was like, look, in the next push or two, he will be out. Um, yeah. And he was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right into his dad's arms. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So you had an accidental free birth at home. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. What was the atmosphere like after he was born when you sort of, you know, had a moment to realise what had just unfolded? You know what? He was so calm. Like all of us, we just smiled and, you know, started tearing up and he wasn't crying. He was so peaceful. He was just looking around and like smacking his lips or like his mouth. Mm. Yeah, he was, it was just so peaceful. And then he only started crying because I think he's got a bit cold. But no, I think we kind of just looked at each other and we're like, wow, we just did this. <laughs> so you being yeah. in denial probably worked yeah. in your favor during your labor, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know what? I Now, afterwards, reflecting on it, I think deep down I always wanted it to just be the three of us. Yeah. yeah. I think that was kind of what was meant to happen, I think. And I kind of wanted that to happen that way. And I think it was about 25 to 30 minutes until um, my midwife arrived. Okay. So it was just the three of us for another like half an hour or so, which was beautiful. Wow, how special is that? So did you end up moving from the bathroom floor in that 20 minutes? Um, well, I was obviously like on all fours still and then Sione, my partner, passed him to me. Um and then I was like, I need to get up. I've been on all fours for what, like 40 minutes and my knees hurt and it was just so uncomfortable. So I just like moved my leg and my placenta was here and I was like, oh my God, is that meant to happen? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So quick. Yeah, I literally just moved my leg. I didn't do anything. Like I didn't push. I didn't, I didn't even realize for the first moment. Yeah. And. I had to get up after that, so I just stood in the bathroom, really, until we just cuddled all three of us and, yeah, waited for the midwife. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, so just processing and lots of skin to skin? Yeah, we just had skin to skin. I think it was all a bit overwhelming as well, like so beautiful, but kind of overwhelming what just happened. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, no, we were just skin to skin standing in the bathroom until the midwife got there and then once she got there I I think that that part is a bit blurry actually um I think I um said I needed a shower mm-hmm. so I think at that point he went into bed with Sione um so it was the two of them bonding at that point so I had a quick shower or like just rinsed off um, and then I got into bed and then we, yeah, started latching and he was great. He is to this day, like he is a champ in feeding. <laughs> yeah. Um, you also had some tearing, right? Oh, yeah. It, you know, I think the Monday before I gave birth, I had my last midwife appointment, which obviously at the time I didn't realize it was my last, but um, I asked her how she felt about me not getting stitches if I was if I was to tear and um she said yeah no that's uh, she totally understand it that's totally fine um but yeah I did tear and I did tear a second degree and apparently through the muscle as well so it wasn't something that was close to each other that could have just grown back properly by itself so um yeah I did need stitches and I think that was at the at that moment was very traumatic for me I think, yeah, that was the hardest part where I I just so badly didn't want that. Again, though, I think 
because he was in the comfort of my own home, it was okay at the end. Like, I'm okay with it now, but in that moment, yeah, it was hard because he was everything I didn't want. Like, everything went so smoothly and great, and then that happened kind of thing. And I think it was more in my head that it was hard. Yeah. It isn't a big deal. Like, it, it, now that I think about it, it's not that big a deal. But, yeah, at the time. Yeah. I mean, your midwife sounds like she was respectful of your wishes. Yes. So I feel like those are the moments you have to kind of trust in the advice you're getting. Yeah, totally. And because I think it was so good that we spoke about that before, though. Yeah. Because she, she did... At the beginning, I think they thought they didn't have to, but then they looked at it again and they were like, oh, yeah, nah, it does look like... Like, she wasn't straight in, you have to get those stitches done. So, because we spoke about that earlier and I kind of told her what I was hoping for, she, I guess, was hoping for the same. Yeah, so she was very... They were so respectful, even while doing it. Yeah, it was... Um, and I think that continuity of care... Mm-hmm. It's just something that has, yeah, made it probably much easier for me as well. Yeah. You don't just have strangers in the room. Like you, you've you gone through the whole pregnancy with those ladies. So, yeah. Did you end up doing anything special with your placenta? I did get it encapsulated and I actually also got a balm. So, like, for scratches, for eczema, for... Yeah, so I've used it a couple of times already, and it's amazing. That's so cool. I haven't heard of that. Yeah. A balm. Yeah, it's like a salve balm. Yeah, it's amazing. What a great idea. Yeah. Do you like the capsules? Yes. I mean, the encap- like the capsules, I because I was upstairs, so we got up and downstairs, and I obviously didn't move for the first two weeks, or not didn't move, but didn't go downstairs for the first two weeks. And I kind of forgot about them, to be honest, which would have probably been most helpful in the first two weeks or, like, as soon as you get it. I didn't get it the first week, I think. But, yeah, um, I do occasionally still take them because I think it's, like, an energy boost. Yeah. Yeah, so I do still in the morning sometimes take them. And what about your tear? Did you do anything in particular to help support the healing process of that? Um, I got again, I got a salve online. Actually, my midwife gave me the salve the day that I gave birth. So I ordered her another one. But yeah, so I used um, a soothing salve from Blissful Herbs. And that was, I think that helped a lot. Yeah, that was, that was honestly, I think one of those things that helped the most. Mm I, yeah, I could move like the first four days were horrendous. But I think, yeah, it, it's actually incredible how our bodies know how to heal. Like, it happened so quickly afterwards, to be honest. By two weeks, the stitches were healed, um, and I felt good. I did realize that I needed to be careful mm-hmm. because I could feel, not a prolapse, but I could feel that it's getting a bit heavy, like that heavy feeling when I walk too much. So, yeah, I was trying to take it easy, but I'm not someone that is taking it. Like, I like to be on the go. Me too. It's kind of (laughs) hard. But your postpartum recovery has been okay. I mean, you're still very early days, but do you feel it's been a good experience? Yes, yes. From about, I think, yeah, four weeks onwards, it was great. And, yeah, we're doing good. Like, he's feeding so well. Amazing. 
Just got Norvi mastitis though, so that was a bit rough. Oh, that's a harsh one, isn't it? Oh my god, it's 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 horrible actually. Yeah, like I was trying to let him feed at the beginning, but yeah, it was really hard. Yeah, I always found when mastitis was creeping in, you get that you know dull body ache feeling. Yeah. Yeah. The minute that came on, I would jump in the bath, have a really hot bath, do a little bit of gentle massage, and then let them feed. Yeah, we don't have a bath, but I definitely used a hot shower, and I used my haka with warm water and Epsom salt, and oh. honestly, I think that drew out a lot, yeah. Okay, so would you pour the water over your breast? No, so I put the hot water or warm water in the haka with some Epsom salt and just put it on and made oh. sure that the warm water touches your nipple. Yeah, okay. And it kind of draws it out, like it drew out the milk or like the, yeah, it helped. Like it was crazy. I first thought, let's just give it a go. I mean, got nothing to lose. Mm. Next up would have probably been antibiotics and I kind of really wanted to avoid that simply because I knew that the antibiotics would go into the little one's body as well and I just uh, didn't feel comfortable. Yeah, of course. So I tried everything else. I obviously would have taken it, like if nothing else would have worked. But, yeah, no, the haka worked amazingly. Awesome. That's a great little tip. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think you guys will go back for any more babies? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Is there anything you would do differently second time around? I think I've actually thought about that and I thought about what about if you just would free birth, but I don't I think that I don't think I would feel comfortable free birthing. Yeah. So yes, I think I will get a midwife again. Whether or not it will, it would end up being an accident, free birth again. That's another thing. I think just knowing that someone's there, yeah, that you can call even just to come over and ask, like the aftercare. Um. So yeah, I would definitely get midwives again, and I would definitely get a doula again. Maybe, maybe even more specific postpartum as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. Um, I mean, my partner was home for two weeks, which was absolutely amazing. He's a chef, so he cooked me amazing meals and stuff. Um, my doula did come over in the postpartum, like the first week or so, um, brought me some stuff that we needed because I couldn't let my partner go yet because I couldn't get up by myself. So, yeah, probably a doula, midwives. Um, I don't know. I feel like I will probably wait again yeah. until very as long as I could, simply because I think I progressed so well as well because it was just me mm. like I didn't have to answer to anyone or like I didn't have to I think I'm very private or like this is such an intimate experience or like intimate moment that I felt like being by myself or like my with my partner was just I think it was just perfect for me to labor in that environment yeah 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 absolutely that's actually such a great point because for some of us just the simple act of feeling watched can mm. interfere with that hormonal flow. Yep. And in some cases it can stall labor. So yep. big props yep. to you for instinctually knowing that you needed to be alone. Yeah. And I think it's, it's totally like, I totally get that other people need that reassurance or need those people around them to tell them that they're doing great. And you know, just, but yeah, I don't think I'm one of them. I think, yeah, it was just meant to be that it was just for so long to us. Yeah. Absolutely. So to wrap up the episode, what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there listening? I think education. I think knowledge is power. That's one of the things my midwives kept telling me as well. 
just as long as you know what is happening, even in your own body, and I think trusting yourself as well. Like one of my affirmations on that wall um, was that like I trust my body and my baby to know what to do. I know we like, again, I think uh, we liked the reassurance from outside. So did I. Like, I like to know that my baby's heart was beating, you know. I, I needed that. But I think it was often as well that I was listening to my own instincts as well. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, listening to your own body and knowing that you can do it. Yeah. And it's such a magical experience. Yeah. How big was your baby? I don't think I asked. Um, he was... 3680. Oh, so a beautiful big baby. Well done. Yes, and 53 and a half. So he was fully baked. Wow. Yeah. There you go. He's ready. And how was your partner after this experience as well? That my partner wasn't fully committed at the beginning. He was kind of a bit like, oh my God, you're hippie neighbor. What the hell do you want to do? Birthing at home. And, you know. And now that's the first thing he says when someone asks. We birthed him at home. It was a beautiful home birth and stuff. So he's so proud. Oh, I love it when the men become these birth advocates. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So amazing. Yeah. And it really shows the power of a positive birth experience, right? Yes, so true. And thank you so much for doing what you're doing. It honestly, like every time I was in a car, every time I had a moment to myself, I was listening to your podcast and it was just very, very good to hear from other women. I think, yes, you hear from midwives and stuff. I know they had kids, but it's just not the same, I think. It wasn't the same for me, mm-hmm. hearing it from my midwives than hearing it from the people that were on your show, mm-hmm. on your podcast. Well, thank you so much for the beautiful words. And now you're one of those incredible women out there <laughs> inspiring others. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. That brings us to the end of today's episode. What a beautiful journey Neva has had. Some really great take-homes for me from today's episode. I loved that Neva subconsciously honored what her laboring body and baby needed to support the hormonal flow of labor. That is a crucial element to consider when planning where you feel safest to give birth. If that's in a hospital setting, then of course factoring in travel time waiting until the very last moment to head into hospital so that you can be confident that your labor won't stall. Some great tips I've learned to help you stay in the zone for the ride is earphones to block out noise, eye masks to keep things dark, and extra pillows for comfort. If you are birthing at home, today's story is a great reminder for you that just because you have hired a private midwife or doula doesn't mean you have to call on them the moment you go into labor or at all if that's what you choose. Some women need that support immediately or maybe just towards the end. I really loved how Neva subconsciously knew that for her, privacy was an important element for labor to progress and she honored that without hesitation. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you love PBA, please leave a review on your podcast platform so that we can reach more women who need it. Sending all my love to all the mamas out there getting ready to meet their babies. I will see you all next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia.